Hello, and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanziel. Chris, how was your Christmas? Oh, it was a very Merry Christmas. Good times with family. Got some gifts, some clutch gifts from the, from the rents, and uh, even shared some gifts with my brothers and family as well, and they were all pretty happy. How about you? It was pretty good. What'd you get for Christmas? I'd say my most prized possession from this Christmas is a brand new Fitbit and uh, two tickets to a Bronx Tale on Broadway. That's pretty awesome. Fitbits yeah. are in style. Yeah, they are. I like it. It's a new thing. The kids like it. It also monitors your sleep, apparently. Oh, it does? That's what I heard, at least. Oh, I got to check that out then. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It like knows when you're awake, too, somehow, so I don't know how that works. Yeah, it does. I think it has something to do with the timer, though. I think it picks up on your sleep patterns, but that's weird. What, what was your most prized possession? Well, Santa was listening, I guess, and I got a brand new jacket. <laughs> Okay. Honestly, it has paid off very well so far. Nice. Yeah, it, it's been a little a little chilly out. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little up and down. It's weird. It's like Mother Nature doesn't know what it wants to do exactly. No. Is is that jacket a Villanova theme jacket? No, it is it is not. It is just it is just a winter jacket. Okay, okay. All right. And then I also got another well, this one was a little uh, sweet gift going into the Christmas weekend. State of the Nova Nation has been ranked on Podomatic's Top 75 Sports Podcast Rankings for 10 weeks in a row. It's like we have this, I don't know, it's like a weekly check, you know, we got to check in, we got to check in the polls every week, we got to, we got to get, I'm hyped on this. Oh, I am so hyped, 10 weeks in a row, and and I saw that you uh, have also tweeted out from the Benchmark account the this stat with gifts now. Which you have recently discovered, and that had is that has added to my excitement to these uh, rankings. Oh yeah, I'm slowly being acclimated to all the little little features that social media has. Like I didn't even know that you could just easily add gifts. Like that's that was just new to me, and I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I, I mean I've experimented with it before, but I never really used it at all. That that is that is pretty cool though. Twitter's clutch. Yeah, it was definitely a pretty sweet Christmas gift from you, the listeners out there. Yes. We get hyped on every week, but there's something about when you reach double figures, like 10, it just feels great. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's It shows a sign of consistency, and it shows that we have some great listeners out there that tune in every week. Yeah, we hope you all had a Merry Christmas with you and your family. But also, we forgot to mention before the weekend, it was also the start of Hanukkah. So oh. we celebrate that. We hope you had a great first couple of days. You still got a lot more to do, so I hope you're not tired yet. Yeah, you, you still got it, yeah. How many days is it again? Eight? Eight, eight days? Eight. eight days. And then I think Kwanzaa is this time of year as well. I have no idea how many days that is, though. <laughs> yeah, it's like everything's like falling in line. It's weird. Hanukkah fell kind of late this year. Did it? I, I actually never really pay attention to <laughs> when it is. I just know it's around Christmas time. I just don't know if it's early or not, like like Easter. Like last, a few years ago, it was like Easter was like real early or something. I forget. Yeah, that's whatever. fair. We are a Catholic university, but not everyone at Villanova is Catholic. So whatever holiday you celebrated, we hope you enjoyed it. Yes. yes. We just we just got to include everybody. We, we, we forgot. It was, it's not just Christmas, but Christmas was pretty banging for me. Same here. It was also Jay Wright's birthday on Christmas Eve. Happy belated birthday to Jay. I, I didn't realize he was a uh, Christmas Eve baby. Yeah, I didn't realize it too. He's like he's like the Messiah in some way. Oh, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> he comes in, comes in, <laughs> brings everyone to the promised land. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> you know, everyone was like, "Oh, first round exit or first weekend exit." He's like, "No, no, don't worry, don't worry." 
So who were the three wise men that appeared when he was born? Raleigh, uh, Al Severance, and, and Jack uh, right Knows father. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That was probably stretched, but he did get he did bring us a national championship, and I hope he had a happy birthday and a good Christmas. Yes. Uh, uh, do you know anyone who kind of has birthdays that kind of fall in that holiday window? I feel like you kind of get screwed out of a present. Uh, you know, that's that's true. Hopefully no one doubled down. Hopefully he got two separate presents. Yeah. But but the national championship, I think, was probably the best early Christmas gift ever, six months ahead. I hope no one gave him the national championship game DVD. He probably has like 50 of those. <laughs> Or yeah, it's just just one. It's just a clip of him just saying "bang." So saying once bang. again, we're gonna have a, a shorter episode than usual. It's still quiet on the Nova Athletics front as universities well into its winter break, but it's about to get real busy and noisy on the basketball court. Chris, are you ready? I'm hyped. Let's do it. So Biggie's play finally begins for the men's and women's basketball teams. Is it me or did it? It kind of just came up quick. I don't know what it was, but it just flew. Yeah, the non-conference part of both team schedules this year, they just they flew by. And they seemed, I don't know, just maybe, maybe it was because the competition just wasn't as great as years past. They just kind of, you know, it just kind of just felt, you know, status quo, so to speak. But the Big Five is very tough, Chris. Okay, keep telling yourself that. <laughs> Whatever helps you sleep at night. <laughs> so we got a nice Big East conference play opening doubleheader. At the pavilion on Wednesday as the men's and women's team. Well, actually, you know, it's actually pretty nice. I hope they got like a package, like a ticket package for the fans out there. Because there's, there's some good opportunities here. Yeah, absolutely. And we joked about this in the last podcast. If you were still doing media that still doing media for, for men's basketball and women's basketball, you could just spend the whole day there and just eat every meal for, for free. <laughs> yeah, you come in, get a nice brunch, and then you watch the women's game. And then you finish writing your story. By the time that's done, it's dinner time at the pavilion. <laughs> then you got the next game. Yeah, it's great. So first off, we got the women's team. They're coming up first. They're going to play the Marquette Golden Eagles at 12 noon on Wednesday. The Lady Cats are 4-6 and six and are going against a Golden Eagles squad that's a lot better from last year. Way, way better. Marquette's currently 9-2, and two, and they're on pace to easily improve from their 14-16 record last year. This was a team that struggled on the road. Last season, and they went in ugly 3-11 and in away games last year. But now, not only have they not lost a road game yet, they've already matched their win total for away games Whoa. with three. Wow. The scary part about this team, <laughs> their core is young, but they don't play like it. Chris, what can we expect from the Marquette Lady Golden Eagles? Well, as you just mentioned, their their top three players are sophomores. Alaziah Blockton, she's Marquette's top scorer, averaging 17.4 points per game. Natasha Heideman, she's contributing 14 points per game, six boards, and is their top three-point threat, shooting just under 38% from deep. So the last star sophomore for, for Marquette is Erica Davenport. She's a forward who's only 5'11", but plays much taller than that. She's almost averaging a double-double dropping 13 and a half points per game and just under 10 boards per game. You know, she's averaging 9.8 rebounds. Let's bump her up. Let's give her, let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say she's averaging a double-double. I know she isn't, but we, we feel like here at the State of the Nation, we can give her the benefit of the doubt. 
And this is a team that has only one senior on the roster and two juniors. So like you said, the core is young, the talent is there, but it's just it's just amazing that they can just insert three sophomores and this is a complete turnaround from last year, already matching their amount of win total, uh, road win totals as they did last year. And as overall though, the one weakness for Villanova to maybe exploit is they're not that great from deep. A team standpoint, they're averaging 31.3% from the three-point line. Not exactly the best, but Natasha Heideman is their best shooter, as mentioned before. They're a solid rebounding team. be necessary to fight and secure every rebound from a Nova standpoint. The boards are going to be important for Nova as they've been out-rebounded on average 7.3 boards per game. This is going to be a tough one for Nova, even though it's, uh, it's at the pavilion. Yeah, I mean, they don't shoot a lot of threes. Very different from Nova. Shoot them up, sleep in the streets. Like we said before, it's it's a men's team philosophy that's built over to Harry Paredes' team. They love the deep ball. They didn't get a lot of them against Duke last game. Hopefully they can get more shots to drop. But like you said, they got to box out. Rebounding, this is a Marquette team that always has out-rebounded its opponent. And for Villanova, they've won games, but they've always kind of lost on the rebounding edge. They can't. They can't afford to lose that battle on the boards. No, not at all. Another thing is, too, you know, while Heidemann is a great three-point threat, most of the other work is done inside, and a lot of their players like to take it inside or shoot mid-range jumpers. So keep an eye out for that. But if there is one key, key battle to watch for, it's definitely the rebounding. This is a young Marquette team that already has figured out its identity. Villanova is also pretty young. It's one of the youngest team Pred has ever fielded over his 30-plus years at Nova. But at the same time, you know, they're still trying to find that identity. This is going to be a tough game, even if it's at home. Chris, who you got in this one? I'm going to have to give this one to Marquette. Nova's performance against a really good Duke team isn't wasn't promising at all. The terrible, terrible day from beyond the arc, so... I mean, I know you can't really judge one game off the off the last one, but they just didn't look good at all. And Marquette's played really well. I, it seems like they've really turned this this whole program around this year, at least early on. And I think the boards, they're just going to get dominated on the boards. Marquette's too big. I'll give this one to Marquette. See, I think for Nova, they can't let Marquette get ahead too early. This has happened in their losses before, like with Duke. They gave away that large Blue Devil lead in the first quarter. And then against mm-hmm. Temple, too, they let Temple get out in front early. And then they found themselves playing catch-up. You know, it just doesn't do good for your morale psychologically. So they're right. going to need to go out guns blazing, make those shots, and play hard, especially on the boards, if they want to win this game. It's not looking too good for Nova. But I think we'll see a much closer game than the Duke game. But I'm going to have to give it to the Golden Eagles for now. Yeah, I'd have to agree with every sentiment there. We'll see what happens come Wednesday. Right now, it's looking like if Nova's not going to knock down those threes and if they're not going to win the battle on the boards, it's going to be hard to see them winning this one. Agreed. So after that, after a few hours later, a few-hour break, (laughs) maybe get three or four, go go out for a late afternoon snack when you're done with that game, (laughs) come back into the pavilion for the men's team who's going to host the DePaul Blue Demons at 6.30 p.m. Villanova is coming into conference play undefeated at 12 and 0. They're taking on the Blue Demons who are 7 and 6. They're above 500. How? <laughs> <laughs> is is this is are they allowed to be above 500? I I, I don't know. I kind of feel like when you when you go there you're kind of just expected to be under 500 the entire time. That's funny. If you look on the ESPN page for the Paul schedule or just mm-hmm. like at the Paul's like page on ESPN, 
Mm-hmm. It says first place in Big East because, I mean, obviously because everyone's 0-0. Yeah. That's that's probably the only time they'll ever see that. <laughs> they should, yeah, they should take a screenshot of it, put it all over the whatever their athletic facility is. <laughs> yeah, the, monumental the moment. State, the All-State Arena. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. <laughs> What put, a monumental put it on the bulletin board, bulletin board material. Like, yeah, you got to keep it like this. <laughs> yeah, use it as motivation. Slap it on the way out of the tunnel. <laughs> every game, it's perfect. Oh, no, every game, guys. We're in first place. <laughs> now, Nepal, while they are above 500, their wins are only against lower-tier conferences. So far, they've played two Power 5 conference teams, and they've lost to Rutgers and Northwestern, both oh. out of the Big Ten. Oh, the, the, yeah. Oh, God. You lost to Rutgers? I didn't know Rutgers was competent to win a game. Wow. That's bad. Former Big East friend. Oh, they're, they're, they're friendly, all right, I guess. No, they're, they're terrible. And Northwestern's, no, the Northwestern isn't even that good either. But, like, they're not, like, a joke, like Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, Rutgers, honestly, they went downhill ever since that video came out of their coach throwing chairs and hitting people. Oh, God, remember that? What was his name? Like Mike Rice or something yeah, like that? Mike, Mike Rice or Mike Tice, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they haven't <laughs> been the same ever since. Uh, Rutgers. And then they lost to our good friends right down the road, the Temple Owls. It's like hey, you hey, had hey. your chance against these like better <laughs> conference teams, but you just continue to beat up teams like Robert Morris and Green Bay. Uh, DePaul. Unbelievable. I'm surprised they haven't played University of Chicago as like a cupcake game for them yet. I don't even know if I would give them that one. They're, honestly, they're probably scared <laughs> that if they were to play them and they would lose, like they would just lose out on all Chicago recruits. Oh god! <laughs> yeah, all those all those Chicago recruits start to go to U Chicago, get elevated to D1, replace the Paul in the Big East. Give it, give it's a ten year plan. And also, you know, making matters worse, they're coming into Big East play after suffering back to back losses to Wyoming. In Missouri State. Oh boy. So it's. I think it's safe to say that this is kind of like another American. It's kind of like another American game. Oh, uh, I wouldn't put them that bad. All right, all right. I wouldn't say they're that bad, but this should be like another safe win for Nova. I think the Paul should enjoy being above 500 now because it's probably not going to last very long. Yeah, it's going to be the last time for pretty much the rest of the season. So what can we expect from the good old Blue Demons? They try. They try real hard. Honestly, I. I God bless Coach yeah. Lido and everyone who's the admi- on the administration and all the players who have somehow been conned to go to DePaul. <laughs> it's just, it's it's hard. I, You know, you come in, you look at, like, Billy Garrett Jr. You come in, you think you're going to be the hero or you're going to, like, help turn it around. Well, yeah. I don't even know how to, you begin to fix DePaul. Yeah, it, it's, there's more than one problem there. At least they're not, like, at least there's, like, no scandals that go along with the Paul. Like, Rutgers, as we were mentioned before, they got scandals. <laughs> like, at least the Paul, you, you, you can at least feel bad for them. You can at least feel some sympathy for them because, you know, they, they do try. I will give them that. They do try. And you have a hotbed in Chicago for basketball, but you just can't bring them in because they're either going to one of the blue blood schools or – just it's just the Paul's just a terrible program right now that you just don't want to go there. Transitioning a little bit, some of the players that did go there <laughs> and are currently playing for the Paul you know, on Wednesday. Probably the big guy for the Paul is Eli Kane, he's a sophomore guard. He's continuing to grow as a leading man after a solid freshman year. I remember writing about him a lot last year um, when we when I did previews for the Bench Mob. This is his team now. He's given he was given the keys to the Mom Fan. He's averaging 18 points per game, 45% shooting from the field and just over 40% from deep. Sure to shoot, baby. And 
He's the only one on this team that knows the meaning of the word efficient. <laughs> we'll get into that later with uh, Mr. Billy Garrett Jr. But he's uh, he's not a great free throw shooter, shooting just 69.3% for the line. It's not terrible, but it's not good either. It, you, you would expect a little bit more from your best player. Secondly, Billy Garrett Jr., he was the star. He was supposed to be the Messiah. He was supposed to be the savior. He's now in his final year, and he has not done it anything to help this program continue to grow. He's scoring a career high 14.6 points per game, but he is shooting a terrible percentage, 35% from the field. We always mention efficiency here. That is not efficient. That is brutally inefficient. We mentioned in the Biggie's preview episodes that DePaul and Billy Garrett Jr. specifically, they're just a very inefficient team. He has been his entire career, and it just hasn't changed. But I guess the one shining star aspect to his game now, he's nearly automatic from the line, shooting 93.1%. Steph Curry-esque, but it, it, the rest of his game is uh, leaves much to be desired. And then... Lastly, Tredarius McCollum, great name there. He's a junior forward. He's actually a JUCO transfer. I don't really see much of those anymore. He's filled in as a solid contributor to Paul right now. He's scoring nine points per game and leads the team in rebounding with 7.3 boards per game. He's a good player, solid player. Paul's glad that they have him, but he's not going to be the type of player that turns the program around, but he's someone to definitely look out for on Wednesday. What's tough is that I remember when they first brought in Billy Gary Jr., Five-star recruit, right from Chicago. You get that hometown guy from your backyard, top yeah. 100. Just hasn't delivered. No, has not. I mean, you want you want to see, like, DePaul be good again because it's just an extra team that you have on your schedule to add to your RPIs, or, like, if you beat them. And it also adds to the conference RPI, too. It makes it look better. But you don't you don't want to have your conference have perennial bottom feeders, like especially like this. And... We, I, I, just like you, I thought Billy Garrett Jr. would make sure DePaul wasn't a bottom feeder, but just hasn't happened. Yeah, so far, Eli Kane has been pretty nice. I, I do like his game a lot. I remember last year going to the second half of the season, conference play especially, he blew up. Or he started to kind of really blossom into that, you know, one of the top contributors as a freshman. And now, mm-hmm. his sophomore season, he's kind of taken the reins from Billy Garrett Jr. And he's showing what he can do. And he's putting up some great numbers. Yeah, and Coach Lato's actually realized this. <laughs> the offense runs goes through him now. It doesn't go through Billy anymore. Yeah, it's good that to see the Paul actually has someone who is able to flourish and produce at an efficient pace and put up just under almost twenty points per game. Like that would be crazy to see if they can have like a contender for Biggie's Player of the Year. You know what else would be tough? Another thing to watch for. This would be unfortunate, very unfortunate for DePaul. But I can see this happening. You know, you have Eli Kane. He's putting up over 18 points per game. You know, biggest player of the year contender. Starts to really rise up. He's only a sophomore. You know, he gets some calls from some Power 5 teams. Oh, boy. Or you some think big he's... boy <laughs> And who knows? I mean, you know, we could have, like, the Eric Pascal effect. You know, Eric Pascal killing it on Fordham. But Fordham wasn't a winning team, and he leads her greener pastures. Uh yeah, that would be a shame. That would be a real nail in the coffin for that. That would be program. really rough. Because, you know, I'm sure Billy Garrett, while he was a leading guy and he was a five-star recruit, I'm sure he didn't want to leave at any point because of the hometown ties, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. If they lose Kane, that would that would pretty much be the end of the Paul basketball, I would say. That would be that would be a <laughs> very big blow. Yeah. You would have to literally hit the restart button again after they have, I don't know how many times in the past five years and – this is this is multi-year, multi, maybe even decade-worthy rebuild. Dave Lato, their cur- their current coach now, who was actually the guy that 
put them in the national spotlight to begin with. He took them to the NCAA tournament when they were still in the conference USA. And then he leaves, goes, you know, bounces around. I think he was at Virginia at one point. Mm-hmm. And now he's back. And it's not as easy as the first time he was here. No, I mean, I, I guess you can chalk it up to competition. I mean, and I mean, I guess the, the Big East is much better than Conference USA was back in the day. I mean, we got the Big East ended up getting DePaul, Marquette, Cincinnati, all just off the top of my head from the from Conference USA, and then obviously Cincinnati left when the whole new Big East formed. So, I mean, I guess competition. Recruits have been harder to come by. It's just a whole different era. It's certainly not the same. So as a team, DePaul is pretty turnover prone. According to Ken Palm, they rank 234th in turnover rate, turning the ball over on nearly 20% of possession. Well, that should play into Villanova's hands perfectly as they are one of the best turnover-forcing teams in the land. Yeah, that press is something that teams have nightmares about. Mm. Like American, DePaul is also a pretty bad three-point shooting team. Outside of Kane, there are no real sharpshooters. They shoot 31.5% from long range, and that's good for 284th in the country. Very different from Nova, who's <laughs> on the opposite end of that spectrum. Ouch. I didn't realize it was that bad. <laughs> oh, boy. And also, according to Ken Palm, they're ranked 202nd in terms of offensive efficiency and 200th in terms of defensive efficiency. So at least they're about the same. You know, at least they're about even. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but if your offense is that woeful, you might want to hope that you're just just the opposite on defense. But no, that that is not the case. <laughs> yeah, that's also not going to bode well for them as Villanova has the top-ranked offense, according to Ken Palm. So, uh, Josh Hart, 45 points? I would hope so. <laughs> Continue building that resume for player of the year. This is going to be a bloodbath, isn't it? Uh, you see, Villanova's playing Creighton on New Year's Eve, like, three days after. And we're not going to talk about that game just yet, just because, mm-hmm. we'll, you know, we'll definitely talk about it more on Thursday. But I would say that that's the real Big East opener. Yeah. Just like how they had Lafayette to begin the year, and then <laughs> Purdue after. Purdue was a real season. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'd agree with that. That's for sure. And, and good thing this game's at home, because if it was at the pole, maybe you could start feeling it's a little trappish, a little trap gamey, but... It, this is at the pavilion. While, you know, we do joke and people have joked around how they're the basement dwellers, the bottom feeders, whatever you want to call them in the Big East, even though I think St. John's might have something to say about that this at year. Least they, at least they're improving. They're, they're on the upward trajectory, at least. DePaul does get one upset win a year, usually. Like last year with Providence, is there a chance that it'll be Villanova? And for reference, Ken Palm has Villanova as a 99% chance of winning. <laughs> On Wednesday. Straight up 99%. Straight up 99. No no 0.3 added like, point like three. American. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this this shouldn't be the upset. Big East opener at the Pavilion. You got Creighton coming up on the road. This this should be easy pickings for Nova. Easy double-digit win. Twenty Probably 20-plus points. Yeah, you know, I can totally see this being another one of those um, start slow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Get a little worried. You're like, why aren't they blowing them out by 30 yet? <laughs> and then maybe they'll get like a big three or like a big end one or like a big dunk that unleashes the floodgates. And then before you know it, Josh Hart has another triple double. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can see this becoming like the American game a lot. I'm assuming it's going to be dead in the pavilion. No students there as everyone's on break. It'll be a tough environment to, you know, really get 
hype behind. I know it's the Big East opener, so I guess you can get up for that. But, yeah, like you said, just one big basket, one big and one. I think they should just run away with it after that. Yeah, there's no way. I'm sorry. I just don't, <laughs> see, I just don't see the Blue Demons upsetting Nova at the Pavilion. But if they do end up breaking that long winning streak, someone just hand them the Powerball jackpot. Just just give it to Paul. <laughs> Their luck can't get any better. Yeah, yeah, they defeat Villanova on Wednesday, everyone on that team needs to go to their nearest convenience store and buy Powerball tickets. Hey, you you never know. That's that's what they say. (laughs) Well, we'll certainly be watching on Wednesday as we see the Lady Cats take on Marquette at 12. Then you got the men's team following it up at 630 against DePaul. Two pretty intriguing games. Biggie's play is finally here. Oh man, it just it just really flew. I'm so excited. We're it's gonna be a real, real interesting race this year. Yeah, you always kind of get the feeling that college basketball really doesn't start until conference play, and yep, yeah, it's right around the corner. I can't wait. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Our mailman is still off on vacation. No fan, no questions today. Maybe we'll get a flood of letters and questions and tweets next time. If our mailman's back, we don't know yet. Hope so. Thank you for listening to State of the Nova Nation and for subscribing on iTunes or on Podomatic. Don't forget to check us out at viewbenchmob.com for your news and updates on all things Villanova sports. Also, please don't forget to follow us on the Twitter sphere at viewbenchmob, or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at the Stansman on Twitter. Nova Nation, Biggie's play is finally here. We are now taking the first step of many as we circumnavigate this amazing, brilliant conference. Hope you all get to catch this Wednesday's doubleheader.